اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. 
محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد Respected brothers and sisters, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in a verse of the Holy Quran, in Surah Al-Nisa, لَا خَيْرَ فِي كَثِيرٍ مِّن نَجْوَاهُمْ إِلَّا مَنْ أَمَرَ بِصَدَقَةٍ أَوْ مَعْرُوفٍ أَوْ إِسْلَاحٍ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ وَمَنْ يَفْعَلْ ذَلِكَ بْتِغَاءَ مَرْضَاتِ اللَّهِ فَسَوْفَ نُؤْتِيهَ أَجْرًا عَظِيمًا Allah says, there is no good in much of their speech, except in the speech of one who enjoins good, sorry, who enjoins the giving of charity, or enjoins good, or who enjoins reconciliation amongst people. And whoever does this, seeking the pleasure of Allah, then soon we shall grant him an immense reward. That's just a literal translation of the verse. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying is, لا خير في كثير من نجواهم There is no good in much of their speech. Referring to mankind. Allah says quite categorically that when human beings speak, when they part their lips, wag their tongues, and utter something, then the rule is that they've got nothing good to say. They've got nothing beneficial or productive to say. There is no good in what they actually utter. That's the rule. Illa, except in the speech of one who enjoins giving in charity or who enjoins good or who encourages others to seek reconciliation between people. So the meaning of the verse is that when a human being, man or woman, speaks and utters something, Allah quite categorically says that man or woman, young or old, they have nothing good to say. That's the norm. That's the rule. And there are only three exceptions. There is no good in much of their speech except in the speech of a person who does one of three things. Number one, when he opens his mouth, when he parts his lips when he wags his tongue and actually utters something, if that person encourages others to spend in charity, to be charitable, either in word or in deed, or by wealth, then there is good in that person's speech. 
The second person is one who enjoins good. So when he actually says something, he is saying something good and he is encouraging others, motivating others, reminding others of their obligation and duty to do good. He forbids the evil and enjoins the good. He instructs people to good deeds and prevents them from ill deeds. Then such a person's speech is good and he and his speech are an exception to this rule. And the third category of speech which is exempted from normal speech is when a person speaks, man or woman, in that conversation, in that speech, in that utterance, they are seeking and trying to achieve reconciliation and peace between the people. These are the only three exceptions. Otherwise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says right at the beginning of the verse, لَا خَيْرَ فِي كَثِيرٍ مِّن نَجْوَاهُمْ There is no good in much of their speech. When men and women, when we as people, when we speak, when we pass our lips, we open our mouths. Allah tells us, nobody else, that we have nothing good to offer, we have nothing good to say, we have nothing good to utter. And these are the only three exceptions. Unless we are encouraging each other, reminding each other, motivating each other, and enjoining each other to give in charity and to be charitable either by word or deed, or we are enjoining good and reminding and motivating each other to do good and forbidding the evil. Or number three, through our speech and our utterances, we are actually seeking a reconciliation and peace between people Unless our speech consists of these three things, Allah categorically declares that there is no good in our speech whatsoever. And that's why in one hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, كُلُّ كَلَامِ ابْنَ آدَمَ عَلَيْهِ إِلَّا ذِكْرُ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ That every speech of man, this is just part of the hadith, that every speech of man is a burden upon him. And works against him, except for the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And those things that are related to the remembrance of Allah. The title of today's speech is Silence of Salvation. What does that mean? We are believers because we seek salvation. We believe in Allah and in the articles of faith because we seek salvation in the hereafter with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And not just salvation in the hereafter, we also seek salvation and freedom and deliverance from many of the constraints and the problems and the calamities of the world. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has actually told us wherein is salvation. Both the salvation of this world as well as the hereafter. Safety is in silence. Salvation is in silence. He who speaks less will land himself or herself in less trouble. It doesn't cost anything 
to remain silent. And the Prophet ﷺ actually imparted this advice quite forcefully. In one hadith related by Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Amr radiyallahu recorded by Imam Tirmidhi rahmatullahi alayhi in his sunan. He says Rasulullah said, and this hadith consists of only three words. Normally hadith and verses are quite long, but this hadith of the Prophet this saying of the Prophet is actually only three words long. Abdullah ibn Amr says that the Prophet said, Man sunata najah. He who remains silent was safe. He who remains silent is safe. That's all he said. He who remains silent is safe. And that's a very comprehensive, all-encompassing and very eloquent statement. It refers to the safety and the salvation of both this world as well as a hereafter. How often is it that we speak and only a few moments later we actually regret what we have just said. In one hadith, a man asked the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, advise me. And part of the advice that the Prophet ﷺ imparted to him was, do not say anything today that you will have to apologize for tomorrow. Do not say anything today that you will have to apologize for tomorrow. So this is where we actually draw the meaning of the title of today's speech, that silence is salvation. The Prophet ﷺ has beautifully taught us that both the safety of this world as well as the hereafter, the salvation of the hereafter, the akhirah, as well as this dunya, lie in remaining silent, in choosing one's words very carefully, only speaking as and when necessary. Furthermore, Sayyidina Uqbat ibn Amir, عنه, a famous companion of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Imam Tirmidhi rahmatullahi alayhi relates this hadith in his sunan also. Sayyidina Uqbat ibn Amir radiyallahu anhu approached the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and said to him, the words of the hadith are, قُلْتُ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ مَنْ نَجَاهِ Uqbat ibn Amir says that I asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, O Prophet of Allah, what is salvation? مَنْ نَجَاهِ what is salvation? Prophet ﷺ replied by saying, أَمْسِكْ عَلَيْكَ لِسَانَكَ وَلْيَسَعْكَ بَيْتُكَ وَبْكِ عَلَىٰ خَطِيئَتِكَ He gave him three words of advice, saying that this is salvation. Uqbut ibn Amir said, O Prophet of Allah, what is salvation? The Prophet ﷺ replied, Number one, أَمْسِكْ عَلَيْكَ لِسَانَكَ Hold your tongue unto yourself. Guard your tongue. Number two, let your home encompass you and confine you. And number three, weep over your sins. In these three things lies salvation. And the meaning of the hadith is, number one, Uqbut ibn Amir radiallahu anhu said, O Prophet of Allah, what exactly is salvation? How does a person attain salvation? How can a person save himself from the displeasure and the wrath and the anger of Allah and the punishment of the akhirah? What is salvation? Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, number one, amsik alayka lisanak. 
Guard your tongue. Hold on to your tongue. Withhold your tongue. Guard your speech. Do not say anything which is unnecessary. Number two, let your home encompass you. Let your home confine you. Meaning a person is often safe when in the privacy of his home. Of course, this was true before when there were no distractions. And there were not many opportunities to commit sins inside one's own home. And it was often safer for a person to remain in the privacy of one's home. Behind a veil, in shame, rather than venture outside and become involved with all kinds of people, in all kinds of activities, and in all manner of places. And number three, the Prophet ﷺ said, salvation lies in weeping over your sins. Remember your sins and weep over your sins, i.e. repent. Remember your sins and repent and weep over your sins. In these things lies salvation. So we, we infer and draw the meaning of salvation from these ahadith that the Prophet ﷺ has advised us that remaining silent is an act of salvation and safety. One attains salvation by guarding one's tongue, by watching what one says, by being careful with one's speech, by refining one's words, monitoring one's speech very carefully. And this is exactly what the pious people of the past used to do. Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu anhu, the most beloved friend of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the first Khalifa of Islam and the greatest Muslim after the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Once Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu visited Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu anhu in his home. When he entered, Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu anhu grabbed onto his tongue, he held onto his tongue, and pulling it, he said, أَوْرَدَنِي هَذَا الْمَوَارِدِ that this tongue of mine has led me to disasters. This tongue of mine has led me to disasters, to problems. If a person as pious, as prudent, as cautious, as wise, as Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu anhu could declare about himself that this tongue of mine has led me to disasters, has led me to problems, then where do you and I stand and how do we fare? Going back to the verse of the Holy Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has spoken about speech in many places throughout the Qur'an. And before I continue, I'd just like to say that one of the reasons why we should view this topic as being extremely important is that unfortunately, at times we allow ourselves to restrict and confine our understanding of sins. When a person mentions sins, we often associate sins with more serious crimes and more serious and grave acts of misdemeanor, such as gambling, alcohol, wine, drugs, violence, theft, but or eating haram, drinking haram. But the truth is, in Islam, the perception of sin, the perception of vice and virtue, 
is not dependent on culture and convention. The perception of vice and virtue stems from the words of Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. We do not view something as being wrong and haram and contemptible if society at large, people at large, if convention and tradition in general all view this thing as being reprehensible. And, ex- and we don't, we can't accept a virtue as being a virtue if Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam have declared that thing to be a vice. I say this because in many communities throughout the world, we even as Muslims, we view sins as being those sins that have always and traditionally and conventionally been regarded as sins. It's customary to accept that eating haram, drinking haram, stealing, adultery, gambling, alcohol, theft, violence, murder. All of these things are sins. But in Islam, the concept of sins, the perception of sins, the determining of vice and virtue is much wider, much more comprehensive. And in tradition and convention, often the sins of the flesh are regarded as being vices, but the sins of the tongue and the mind and the heart, and especially the sins of the tongue, they are not regarded as being vices. They are not regarded as being sins. Even though in Islam, at times, quite possibly, the sins of the tongue are far more lethal, far more dangerous, far more damning than any sin of the flesh. To give you an example, Imam Ibn Marduwayr rahmatullahi relates a hadith in his tafsir from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, إِيَّاكُمْ وَالْغِيبَةِ فَإِنَّ الْغِيبَةَ أَشَدُّ مِنَ الزِّنَةِ Beware of backbiting. For backbiting is a graver and more serious sin than adultery. Beware of backbiting. For backbiting is a graver and more serious sin than adultery. And then the Prophet ﷺ continues to explain, when an adulterer repents and turns to Allah in seeking forgiveness, if Allah wishes, Allah may accept his repentance and turn to him in mercy. But the one who is guilty of backbiting another, Allah does not forgive him until his victim of backbiting forgives him first. And so Rasulullah says at the beginning of the hadith, Beware of backbiting, for backbiting is a more serious sin than even adultery. And it's very true. There are countless examples. Just sticking to this topic of how serious the sin of backbiting is, which is a sin of the tongue. Imam Abu Dawood has related a hadith in his Sunan. That once a companion came to the Prophet ﷺ and confessed to committing adultery. 
Prophet it's very long hadith. He was punished. He died. On that occasion, the Prophet overheard two men speaking to one another. One of them said to the other, look at him. He committed a sin, and Allah concealed his sin, but his soul did not let him rest until he had to confess to his sin. And thus, because of his confession, he died the death of a dog. The Prophet ﷺ overheard these words, but he didn't say anything. Later, the Prophet ﷺ was traveling, and he passed by the carcass of an animal by the roadside. So the Prophet ﷺ stopped, and he turned around, and hitherto the others had not known that the Prophet ﷺ had overheard them, but now they realized. The Prophet ﷺ turned around and said, where are those two men who spoke to each other this earlier? They both came forward. Prophet ﷺ said, dismount. Both of you dismount and eat the carcass of this animal. A dead animal. He said, both of you dismount and eat the carcass of this dead animal. So they both exclaimed, O Prophet of Allah, do you want us to eat the carcass of this animal? How can we be expected to consume the flesh of this dead animal? To consume this carcass? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, what you consumed of the flesh of your brother earlier on was a worse devouring than this. And even now by Allah, I can see him diving into the streams of Jannah. Subhanallah. Someone who had committed adultery, of him Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, even now I can see him diving into the streams of Jannah. But those who merely spoke ill of him, those who merely spoke ill of him, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to them, both of you dismount and eat the carcass of this animal. And when they exclaimed their surprise and their horror, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, you are horrified at the consumption of the flesh and the carcass of this animal. What you consumed of the flesh of your brother earlier on by backbiting him and speaking ill of him in his absence, that was a worse devouring than this. In Islam, the sins of the tongue at times outweigh the sins of the flesh. And this hadith shows as earlier on the hadith that beware of backbiting, for backbiting is worse and a more serious and graver sin than even adultery. And it's not just about backbiting. Sins of the tongue in general, it's very, very easy to spoil our iman, to corrupt our faith, to spoil our good deeds, to render our reward null and void and meaningless by a few stupid utterances. This boneless wonder, this tongue, it's, it's only one small piece of flesh, boneless, flexible. And yet this can lead a person to disaster or lead a person to salvation. We, when we, how, how do we know that a person is a Muslim? 
he or she will utter the testimony of faith, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah, with this tongue. How do we know a person is not a Muslim? How do we know a person renounces their faith if they blaspheme? They blaspheme with the same tongue. Imam Bukhari rahmatullahi alayhi relates a hadith in his Sahih. So does Imam Muslim and many others. Listen to the following words. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, At times, a servant of Allah utters one word, not two words. إِنَّ الْعَبْدَ لَيَتَكَلَّمُ بِكَلِمَةٍ لَا يُلْقِي لَهَا بَالَا يَهْوِي بِهَا فِي جَهَنَّمٍ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, at times a servant of Allah, at times a servant, utters one word, not two words and not a sentence, but bikalimah, one single word. At times a servant utters one single word to which he attaches no significance whatsoever. And yet, because of that one single word alone, he shall fall in the depths of Jahannam. He shall fall in the depths of the fire because of one single word. That's why Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam have told us to guard our tongues, to watch our speech, not to be guilty of the sins of the tongue as well as the sins of the flesh. And the sins of the tongue may possibly be far more lethal, far more dangerous, far more destructive and damning than the sins of the flesh. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has reminded us in various verses in the Holy Qur'an of the obligation of speaking good, of avoiding sinful talk. There are many verses. The verse which I recited in the beginning, which I began this discourse with. لَا خَيْرَ فِي كَثِيرٍ مِّنْ نَجْوَاهُمْ There is no good in much of their speech except in the speech of one who enjoins to charity, or who enjoins good, or who enjoins reconciliation. Between people. We do the total opposite. When we speak, rather than encouraging each other to be charitable, both in terms of spending wealth and money, as well as be charitable in deeds and in words, we are guilty of the opposite. We encourage others to do the opposite. Instead of fulfilling our religious obligation, of enjoining good and forbidding the evil, of correcting and righting wrong wherever, see, wherever we do see wrong, and reminding ourselves and others of good deeds, we remain silent over sins. We remain silent when it comes to our duty to enjoin the good and forbid the evil. We remain silent merely out of self-interest and self-preservation. We say that, why should I spoil my name? I don't want to get involved. And even if we see suffering, injustice, wrongdoing, we see blatant sins, we remain silent. Even though we, every one of us, by the text of the Qur'an, has a religious obligation and duty to enjoin the good, to encourage to people to do good, to dissuade people from evil. And number three, Probably the most serious one. Allah says when you speak, you should only be speaking to reconcile people, to bring about peace between people. When we speak, we are often guilty of saying things that only inflames the situation, that only adds fuel to the fire. 
We don't speak in order to extinguish and douse the fire. We don't speak in order to squell and settle the situation, in order to diffuse the situation. We speak adding fuel to the fire to increase the fitna, to increase the enmity. In fact, in Islam, Rasulullah has said it's permissible to speak a lie in order to bring about peace and reconciliation between the people. And the meaning of that is one shouldn't expand this unnecessarily. Its meaning is that if two people have had a misunderstanding and they've fallen out and there is bitterness in their hearts towards each other, there is rancor and malice, then a good deed and a noble and honorable deed would be for a person to go to one individual and encourage him or her to settle their differences with the other person. And in motivating and encouraging them, maybe dropping a few words that aren't necessarily true. For instance, to say things like, the other person is also remorseful. The other person also seeks reconciliation. The other person also doesn't want to see this dispute prolonged. And then go to the other side and say exactly the same thing. And by uttering a few harmless untruths in order to encourage and motivate these two warring, differing individuals to settle their differences and to reconcile their hearts and to be harmonious, Rasulullah said it's permissible to do so. We lie, but not to bring about reconciliation. We lie in order to divide people even further. Where there is absolutely no need, we will say to one person, yes, yes, indeed, he did say this. Oh yes, this is exactly what he believes. This is what he thinks. We inflame the situation. And then we will go to the other side and say exactly the same. So where we should be saying something in order to bring about reconciliation, we lie, but not to bring about reconciliation, rather to inflame the situation and to exacerbate, exacerbate the problem. These are three exceptions to the normal rule of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that there is no good in much of people's speech. There are many other verses throughout the Qur'an. In one verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقُلْ لِعِبَادِي يَقُولُ الَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنْ إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانِ يَنْزَغُ بَيْنَهُمْ And O Prophet of Allah, this is the verse of the Qur'an, O Prophet of Allah, say to my servants that they should say that which is the best. Say to my servants that they should speak that which is the best. Indeed, shaitan seeks to draw divisions between them. The meaning of this verse is, O believers, O servants of Allah, O Prophet of Allah, say to my servants, whenever you speak, whenever you move your tongue, whenever you open your mouth, whenever you part your lips, whenever you utter something and speak, then choose your words carefully. Say the best things. Only come out with the best speech. Why? Shaitan seeks to draw divisions between you. Shaitan waits for every opportunity. He waits until a person has spoken. And then he pounces on his or her words. And he takes those words and confuses the listeners with those words. Implying evil and undesirable connotations to those words. He encourages and he whispers 
undesirable interpretations and misconstructions of other people's words in their minds. And in doing so, he brings about discord and disharmony and strife and enmity between the people. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Shaytan will always be looking for this opportunity. The devil will always be lying in wait, ready to pounce on your words to misconstrue them and to misrepresent them and to misinterpret them in the hearts and minds of the people and to whisper evil connotations and meanings to your words in other people's minds. So, oh my servants, do not give the devil that opportunity. Do not give shaitan that opportunity. When you know that this is what he does with your utterances and with your speech, choose your words carefully. And say to my, say, oh my servants, say to my servants, that speak only that which is the best. Choose your words very, very carefully. In another verse of the Holy Quran, in Surah Al-Mujadala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amunu idha tanajaw. Fala tatanajaw bil-ithmu wal-udwani wa ma'asiyyati al-rasool wa tanajaw bil-birri wal-taqwa wa attaqullaha alladhi ilayhi tuhsharoon. O believers, when you whisper Privately, and when you whisper and when you speak and converse privately between yourselves, Ya then do not speak privately to each other. Do not converse with each other about sins, about transgression and injustice, and about the disobedience of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And when you speak amongst yourselves, when you converse between yourselves, then converse and speak to each other about righteousness, virtue, and the taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And fear that Allah unto whom you shall all be amassed and returned. That's a clear statement from Allah azza wa jal, that all believers. Tanaji, tatanajo, here means when you speak privately between yourselves. That means any conversation between two people or more in the privacy of one's home, in a private conversation anywhere, a normal social gathering, a family gathering. In effect, any speech which isn't a public speech, any conversation which isn't a public speech, any conversation, why the distinction? Because in private conversations, people are often more informal, they're a bit relaxed, they're not that guarded. In a public speech, obviously a person chooses one's words very carefully, and it's very rare that a person will speak just spontaneously in a public speech. But privately, people are more relaxed, more informal, less guarded, they drop their guard, they... They let themselves go. So even in such private conversations, whether that conversation is with one's spouse, with one's children, one's parents, and most importantly, with one's friends. Even in such conversations, Allah reminds us, O believers, in your private conversations, and in your private whisperings to each other, when you speak, do not converse and do not speak about sin about udwan, transgression and injustice, or the disobedience of the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's very common. People in their speech, they will swear, they will backbite, they will talk about other people. That's why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, whenever a group of people gather, and then they rise from that gathering, having conversed between themselves, 
And in that conversation, they have not spoken about Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and they have not engaged in the remembrance of Allah or mentioned His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Then when they rise, they actually rise from the carcass of a dead donkey. They rise from a carcass of a donkey. There is no good in their entire congregation and conversation. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala categorically tells us, O believers, even in your private whisperings and your private conversations, do not speak about sin. Do not speak about injustice and transgression. Do not speak about the disobedience of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Rather, you should speak to each other and converse with each other about virtue and righteousness and about the taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Surah Al-Ahzab, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu attaqu Allah wa qulu qawlan sadeeda yuslih lakum a'malakum wa yaghfil lakum dhunubakum wa min yuti'illah wa rasoolahu faqad faza fawzan azeema. Allah says, O believers, fear Allah. And speak an upright word. That means, O believers, fear Allah and speak an upright word. Say something good. Say something balanced. Say something responsible and upright. Straight. If you do so, Allah will reward you. How will Allah reward you? يُسْلِحْ لَكُمْ أَعْمَالَكُمْ Allah will make good and pious your deeds. وَيَغْفِلْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ And Allah will forgive you your sins. وَمَنْ يُتْعِ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولَهُ فَقَدْ فَازَ فَوْزًا عَظِيمًا And whoever obeys Allah and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then indeed that person has scored an immense success. But this verse is very interesting. Because Allah... Allah rewards a person, not just with forgiveness and reward in the hereafter, but even now, immediately, one of the rewards of speaking well, of speaking responsibly, and speaking good and straight, is that Allah will actually make your deeds pious. يُسْلِحْ لَكُمْ أَعْمَالَكُمْ If you speak well, if you guard your tongue, Allah will guard your limbs and your organs of, the organs of your body from disobedience and sin. You guard your tongue f- and protect it from the sins of the tongue, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will automatically, in reward, enable you to protect, and Allah will protect your limbs from the sins of the flesh. Protect your tongue from the sins of the tongue, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect your limbs from adultery, from theft, from fraud, from violence, from every haram deed, even from the consumption of haram. We all know, everybody knows, that the heart is responsible for the rest of the body. In many ways. Both in anatomy, as well as medicine, but even in spirituality. In a famous hadith related by Imam Bukhari rahmatullahi alayhi and others, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, it's a very long hadith by Sayyidina An-Nu'man ibn Bashir radiyallahu an. Towards the end of the hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, أَلَا إِنَّ فِي الْجَسَدَ لَمُضْغَةً إِذَا صَلَحَتْ صَلَحَ الْجَسَدُ كُلُّهُ وَإِذَا فَسَدَتْ فَسَدَ الْجَسَدُ كُلُّهُ أَلَا وَهِيَ الْقَلْبِ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that no, that indeed in the body there is a piece of flesh 
Which if pure, then the whole body is pure. Which if corrupt, then the whole body is corrupt. Know that that piece of flesh is the heart. And we all know that if the heart is corrupt and impure, then the entire body will be corrupt and impure. But if the heart is clean and pure and upright and noble, then all the organs of the body will be pure in spirit, will be, will, will be free from corruption, and they will also be pure and pious and upright. However, this is only a partial understanding that the heart is responsible for the rest of the body. There is one more thing which actually governs the heart. And do you know what that one thing is? The heart is responsible for the whole body. If the heart is pure, the whole body is pure. If the heart is straight, the whole body is straight. If the heart is corrupt, the whole body is corrupt. So we all say that we need to work on our hearts, which is very true. But this is only a partial understanding. We actually learn from the hadith that there is one more thing one more organ, one more limb of the body, one piece of flesh, which actually governs the heart, which is responsible for the corruption or the purity of the heart. And that is the tongue. If the tongue is pure, the heart is pure. And if the heart is pure, the rest of the body is pure. If the tongue is corrupt, the heart is corrupt. If the heart is corrupt, the rest of the body is corrupt. Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal rahmatullahi relates a hadith in his musnad. That Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لَا يَسْتَقِيمُ إِيمَانُ عَبْدٍ حَتَّى يَسْتَقِيمَ قَلْبُهُ وَلَا يَسْتَقِيمُ قَلْبُهُ حَتَّى يَسْتَقِيمَ لِسَانُهُ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, the faith, the iman, the belief of a person, of a servant, will not be upright and straight unless his heart is straight. And his heart will not be straight unless his tongue is straight. And that's exactly what this verse of the Qur'an means. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهِ O believers, fear Allah. وَقُولُوا قَوْلًا سَدِيدًا And speak an upright and straight word. If you do so, what will Allah do? يُسْلِحْ لَكُمْ أَعْمَالَكُمْ Allah will make good and pious your deeds. You guard your tongue, Allah will ensure that the deeds of your body and your flesh and your limbs are straight, upright and pious and virtuous. And the reverse meaning, the inferred converse meaning is that if you don't guard your tongue, the, 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 the limbs of your body, your deeds will not be pious or, or pure. And there's even, a, there's even a clearer hadith in a hadith related by Imam Tirmidhi rahmatullahi in his sunnah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Each morning, when man rises, every morning, all the limbs and organs of a person's body, they plead with, argue with, and remonstrate with the tongue. This is something that occurs each morning. Every morning when a person rises, Man or woman, that person's body, all the limbs of that person's body, they remonstrate with, they debate with, and they plead with the tongue. These are the words of the hadith. And they say to the tongue, that means the hands, the feet, the ears, the eyes, the nose, and every, the feet, every limb and organ of the body, even one's private parts. 
every limb and organ of the body pleads with the tongue. Saying to the tongue, اِتَّقِ فِينَا فَإِنَّمَا نَحْنُ O tongue, fear Allah regarding us, for we are only as you are, we stand as you stand. If you are straight, we are straight. If you are bent, we are bent. And these are the words of the hadith. Very, very clear. Each morning, every limb of the body remonstrates with the person's tongue, saying to the tongue, O tongue, fear Allah in, in our regard, fear Allah regarding us. For we are only as you are, we only stand as you stand. If you are straight, we are straight. If you are bent, we are bent. That shows that, yes, the heart governs the deeds of the body, but there is one thing that actually governs the heart, and that's the tongue. If the tongue is pure, the heart is pure. If the heart is pure, the entire body is pure. If the tongue is corrupt and sinful, the heart is corrupt and sinful. If the heart is corrupt and sinful, the entire body is corrupt and sinful. So before we speak about working on our inner spirituality, before we speak about reforming our heart and cleansing our heart and purifying our heart, which is all an obligation, undoubtedly, the first step, towards reforming the heart and cleansing it and purifying it is to purify the tongue, to refine our speech, to guard our speech. In a hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, again Imam Tirmidhi rahmatullahi relates this hadith from Sufyan ibn Abdullah radiyallahu an. He says, I said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, O Prophet of Allah, Give me some advice that I can adhere to. Give me some advice that I can adhere to. Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, قُلْ آمَنْتُ بِاللَّهِ ثُمَّ استقم. Say, I believe in Allah. And then having made that statement, remain steadfast upon that statement. I then asked, Sufyan ibn Abdullah says, I then asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, O Prophet of Allah, O Prophet of Allah, what is the thing that you fear the most for me? What is the thing that you fear the most for me? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, these are the words of the hadith. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam drew his tongue, drew out his tongue, grabbed it with his fingers and pulled his tongue. This is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He grabbed his tongue and pulled it and said, this. The most I fear for you is this, the tongue. This is the most I fear for you. And in another hadith, a very long hadith related by Sayyidina Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiyallahu anhu. Rasulullah, he says, Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiyallahu anhu, this is recorded by Imam Tirmidhi as well as Imam ibn Majah in his sunan. This is the wording of ibn Majah. Sayyidina Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu says, that one day I was riding with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, so I saw an opportunity to go clo- to become close to him, so I rode up right next to him until my knees were touching his knees. My thighs were touching his thighs. And we rode closely, and I said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, O Prophet of Allah, tell me one deed which will lead me to paradise and distance me from hell. So the Prophet ﷺ said, O Mu'adh, 
you have asked about a great thing indeed. One deed that will lead you to paradise and save you from the hellfire. Indeed, you have asked about something great. But this is easy for whomever Allah wishes to make easy, make it easy. And then the Prophet ﷺ, in a very long hadith, he told him about Iman, the Shahada, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, about Salah, about Zakah, about Hajj, about fasting. Then the Prophet ﷺ spoke to him about charity and about fasting again. And then he spoke to him about Salah of Tahajjud in the middle of the night. And then right towards the end of the hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to him, O Mu'adh, should I tell you one thing which encompasses all of the above? What was the question that Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu an asked him? O Prophet of Allah, dullani ala amalin yudkhiluni al-jannah wa yub'iduni min al-nar. O Prophet of Allah, show me one deed which if I do, it will take me close to jannah, will actually take me into jannah. And distance me from the fire. Prophet said, you've asked for something great. But indeed it's easy for whomever Allah wishes to make it easy. And then he mentions all of these things. Iman. Shahada. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. Prayer. Fasting. Hajj. Charity. Fasting again. Specifically the salah of tahajjud in the middle of the night. And then right towards the end, the Prophet ﷺ says, O Mu'adh, should I not tell you something that encompasses all of this, all of the above? So the Mu'adh ibn Jubal said, Bala ya Rasulullah, of course, O Messenger of Allah. Prophet ﷺ held his tongue and he said, Guard this. Guard your tongue. Allahu Akbar. Guard your tongue. This will encompass all of the above. So Sayyidina Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anh exclaimed in surprise, Ya Rasulullah, will we be held to account for what we say and for the words that we utter? So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Oh Mu'adh, may your mother lose you. Don't you know? وَهَلْ يَكُبُّ النَّاسِ وَهَلْ يَكُبُّ النَّاسَ فِي النَّارِ عَلَىٰ وُجُوهِهِمْ إِلَّا حَصَائِدُ أَلْسِنَتِهِمْ Oh Mu'adh, there is nothing there is nothing else that throws that will throw people flat on their faces in the fire of Jahannam more than the harvests of their tongues. Prophet ﷺ termed it harvests. That there is nothing that will be more responsible for throwing and flinging people flat on their faces in the fire of Jahannam than the harvests of their tongues. And why did the Prophet ﷺ use the term harvests? Simple reason. When, when people harvest, at the time of harvest, when people reap and collect their crops and their vegetation and their produce, then the sifting and the distinguishing, that all comes later. But at the time of the harvest, what do people do? They reap everything. Good, bad, ripe, raw, edible, inedible, everything comes in at the time of the harvest. And only then is it all separated and the good is is sifted from the bad. So the wisdom in using the term harvest is that this is what we do with our tongues. Our tongues 
Harvest our words. Reap our words. Good, bad, polite, impolite, virtuous, sinful. And these will only be sifted and distinguished on the day of judgment in the Akhirah. And therefore the best thing is for a person to guard one's tongue, guard one's speech. There are many verses of the Holy Qur'an that continue with this topic. There are many hadith also. And so many beautiful hadith. In fact, in one hadith related by Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiallahu recorded by Imam Bukhari, Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim rahmatullahi alayhima, both in their sahih, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, مَنْ كَانِ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ فَلَا يُؤْذِي جَارَةِ وَمَنْ كَانِ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ فَلْيُكْرِمْ ضَيْفَةِ وَمَنْ كَانِ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ فَلْيَقُلْ خَيْرًا أَوْ لِيَسْمَتْ أَوْ كَمَا قَالَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ Prophet وسلم said, Whoever believes in Allah and in the final day, then let him honor his guest. Next sentence. Whoever believes in Allah and in the final day, let him not hurt and inconvenience his neighbor. And third sentence of wisdom, whoever believes in Allah and in the final day, let him say something good, otherwise remain silent. There are so many of the ahadith and so many of the verses of the Holy Qur'an. I end with this as it's uh, time for Salatul Isha. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable all of us to understand the words of Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May He make us more conscious of our speech and of our utterances. May He make us amongst those who guard their tongues and who protect their tongues from the sins that Allah has mentioned in the Qur'an. Slander, lying, backbiting, abuse, and all the other sins. وصلى الله وسلم على عبده ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك. This lecture was delivered by Sheikh Abu Yusuf Riyadul Haq and has been brought to you by Al Kotha Productions. For additional lectures and products, please visit www.akstore.com. We can also be contacted by phone on double zero double four one two one. Double seven one three triple seven, or by email via sales at akstore.com. Produced under license by Alcotha Productions. All rights reserved for Alcotha Productions and the author. Any unauthorized distribution, broadcasting, or public performance of this recording will constitute a violation of copyright.